Hey guys, and welcome back to the Bleeding B&G podcast. Welcome back to episode three. So like I promised in episode two, today we're going to be doing a defensive breakdown or defensive outlook as for our outlook for the 2021 season. Um, it's going to be similar to our offensive breakdown where we'll be looking at position groups. We'll be looking at some players who may be leaving, some players that we'll be looking to resign, and some players that we, be, we may be actually signing as free agents, unrestricted or restricted. But first, I want to go over some news that has happened since our last podcast. So, of course, if you're an NFL fan, you guys have heard about the Matt Stafford trade with the Lions, I mean, with the uh, Detroit Lions actually traded Matthew Stafford to the Los Angeles Rams for a slew of picks, uh, multiple first rounders, and even more. Um, and if you guys have also heard the reports, especially my friends in the Washington football team community, Washington was one of the leaders in the um, race until, you know, the uh, Rams pulled that magic trick out the hat, you know, giving all the picks. And I'm kind of glad that Washington didn't go all in as um, L.A. did because, as you see, L.A. doesn't act, act doesn't really value um, their first round picks as much as I think they, they should. I mean, it's come to spurn them um, in, you know, their playoffs. Um, they don't make the deep runs as they expected. They traded two first round picks for Jalen Ramsey and it's spurned them. But I guess they haven't learned their lesson yet because they went all in for Matthew Stafford. Hopefully, you know, um, not, not on the, not, not me as a Redskins fan. I don't want to see them win the Super Bowl, but hopefully, you know, their riches turn to, you know, whatever they're looking for as far as their fortune, because, um, they've had bad luck and they seem to keep selling these first round picks that don't seem to be worth much to them. Um, so the Redskins didn't go, or the Washington football team, excuse me, didn't go all in on Matthew Stafford. So he's now um, a Los Angeles Ram. And then yesterday, today, um, we're actually recording this podcast on February 4th. So yesterday, on February 3rd, um, Martin Mayhew and Marty Herney actually had their first press conference as um, our new general manager and our new VP or our executive VP of player personnel. It was a joint press conference over Zoom. And um, I really like the tone and what them guys were saying in the pro um, in the press conference. Um, Coach, Coach Rivera was in the press conference as well. He was in a separate location, but he was on the same Zoom line or the same Zoom call. Um, and uh, I just like the tone and the overall message that was given in the uh, in the press conference. They were preaching continuity, something that I went back, um, I was preaching in um, episode one was a lot of organizational continuity. Um, Ron said that, you know, he came to a crossroads where he wanted to hire both Herney and Mayhew because they interviewed so well. And then he actually took it to owner Dan Snyder, and he was the one that actually proposed, you know, why not hire them both? Why not have them both work together? Um, and I see that, you know, while I am worried a, a tad bit about having too many hands in the kitchen, and I was, you know, a lot more worried than I was when I watched the press conference, I do think after leaving the press conference, I do see a path for organizational alignment. Uh, one of the things that was stressed a lot in the press conference was that this is still a coach-centric approach or coach-centric organization. And so Coach Rivera is still going to have the final say on personnel moves, who comes in, who comes out. Um, even moves all the way up that trickle down into the front office. This is still Coach Rivera's show. Um, I think that um, both Mayhew and Herney, you know, showed a showed an understanding of that and showed that they appreciate um, the fact that they're on board and able to work together. Uh, from what I got from the uh, press conference is that um, 
Coach Rivera even slipped up and called them, you know, both GMs. But what I got is that I think that Marty Herney is going to be more on the college side, you know, doing more scouting, which I've heard that he loves to do. He loves being on the road. He's an excellent college um, college scout from what I've heard. And then I, I think from what I've heard from the press conference, from what I got from the press conference as well, is that Marty Herney will be, uh, I mean, not Marty Herney, Martin Mayhew will actually be dealing with, you know, the professional side of ball, um, the schematic fits, who, who are we signing in free agency and things like that so overall i like the tone and the message that we got from the press conference and i'm starting to see the you know organizational alignment that i was talking about looking for in episode one um so that's enough of that news time to get to our defensive breakdown um so like i said guys it's going to be like our offensive breakdown where we're just going to be looking at the position groups and we're going to be breaking them down we're going to look at some um, free agents that may be potentially um, become washington football team members in the future in 2021 and then we'll look forward to our next episode um where we'll be giving you guys a lot of draft coverage leading up to um the nfl draft so we'll be giving you a free agent outlook as well as a draft outlook coming up but for right now episode three bleeding bng this is our defensive outlook so like i said we're going to do our position breakdowns um first uh, I'm not going to spend too much time on the defensive line. The same thing with the offensive line from episode two. But this is a different reason. We Everybody in the country, everybody that's an NFL fan knows about the Washington front four at this point. Um, two, in 2020, they possessed five first-round picks, all that played on the two, um, all that played on the defensive line. Um, in 2021, I don't expect Ryan Kerrigan to be back. Um, even in his exit interview and interviews that he's done, out of, he's speaking as if he was he played his last game as a Washington football team member. So that may be one of the uh, one of the first round draft picks that we lose. But we're still extremely stout up front, and we're still tremendously talented up front. Um, our four projected starters coming in the next season: Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, Montez Sweat, and Chase Young. Um, they 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 proved that they were. <laughs> As advertised in 2020, those guys stepped up big time, especially uh, I know that Chase Young got a lot of notoriety, and I know that, you know, edge rushers are a little more sexy, but Payne and Allen stepped up big time in Matt Ioannidis' absence after he got hurt in week two against the Arizona Cardinals. And those two actually led all defensive tackles. They were one and two. Listen to that. Two Washington football team defensive tackles led the league. They were number one and number two in runs, um, run stops um, from the position in 2020, um, with Deron Payne actually leading the NFL with 33, and then Jonathan Allen coming behind him with 30. So you got those those defensive tackles that Alabama wall, they were as advertised in 2020, and I expect them to be even better in 2021. So then we go to our sack brothers, you know, Chase Young and Montez Sweat. Uh, Chase Young, as I mentioned in episode one, he was everything is advertised. Um, this uh, this weekend coming up, I expect him to be named the defensive rookie of the year. You know, he had seven and a half sacks. He had multiple forced fumbles. He even had a touchdown score. And then, you know, his partner on the other side, Montez Sweat, even had more sacks than Chase Young. He had nine sacks, and he was really coming into his own. He showed that he was a strong run defender containing the edge. Um, I, I believe that he was probably Washington's best run defender because he was consistent game in and game out. Uh, if you guys didn't pay attention, Montez Sweat is a beast against the run. He uses those log arms, you know, to stack and shed, and he makes to play Montez Sweat um, even though he has like a, a, a thin frame even though he's a huge dude before his size he has a thin 
splitting frame. He, he was a beast against the run this year. And then to go with those numbers that I mentioned off earlier with Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen, I just expect them to keep building upon that upon that um, into the 2021 season. And then the best thing about this, guys, is Matt Ioannidis is coming back. And the, then the other best thing that's about, that's about this is Matt Ioannidis is our oldest player, and he's only 27 years old. I believe that Matt Ioannidis is still our best interior pass rusher he showed that in 2019 i think he had like eight sacks from the defensive from the three four defensive end position which is insane because those guys are known to like take up space and things like that but matt ionitis proved his worth in 2019 which earned himself a big contract um even though he did get hurt in 2020 that's just adding on to the embarrassment of riches because that front four, even though Matt Ioannidis did go down, they stepped their game up at once he did. And, you know, they got the national recognition, you know, whether that was the bat passes they had against, um, against the Steelers or whether that was, you know, the, the, them dominating the game against the San Francisco 40, uh, 49ers. Um, the one thing that does concern me a little bit is that teams that did want to run the ball on Washington, they did. And those numbers from PFF that I mentioned with the run stop, um, with the run stop leaders, that kind of throws me off a little bit because I did see, you know, when teams, you know, were were determined to run the ball, like San Francisco in the first half, or like the Seattle Seahawks, or like the Giants in the second in the second meeting with them um, this past season, they were able to run the ball whenever they wanted. So that does concern me a little bit. So hopefully, you know, that was just a more technique thing, getting used to the scheme because they did buckle down later in the season, um, later in the season against the run. So hopefully, they can continue to improve on that. But as far as from a pass rushing standpoint. I believe that this is the best defensive front in the league. And, and you know, they, they showed it for the most part last year. You know, top two in the league in sacks, and then you bring back somebody like Matt Ioannidis, who, like I said, I believe is the best interior pass rusher, is only up from there. So I don't expect them to do too much in the offseason as far as the defensive line position. Um, I know with, um, you know, trade packages with Deshaun Watson – um, a lot of a lot of our uh, media outlets and our local beat writers, they're mentioning like some of the defensive line may be um, available in the package along with picks. And I understand that because we have this embarrassment of riches. So whether that be a Matt Ioannidis, you guys, we have to give up somebody if we want somebody as dynamic or quarterback as dynamic as Deshaun Watson. So I would understand that the only people that would be untouchable on my defensive line is Chase Young and maybe Montez Sweat. But everybody else, and that's because of the position they play. You know, edge rusher is one of the most important positions in the NFL or in football period behind quarterback, cornerback, and left tackle. But, you know, I, I, I put a priority on edge rushers and edge players, and I, I believe that we have the best bookend edge um, defenders in the league. So I will want to keep those together so that those sack brothers, as we deemed them throughout the season, can keep that continuity and become the force that we all know them to be. So if we did have to give away somebody, I wouldn't be opposed to giving away, you know, either Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, or Matt Ioannidis in a Deshaun Watson trade, but that would only be in a trade for Deshaun Watson. Anybody else, I don't want them. Not for those players. Not for them. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Let's just work out with that dominant front front four and the quarterback position, you know, may fall where it lies, whether that be in a draft, whether that be in free agency, whether we trade for somebody. But the only person that I'll be giving up one of these defensive linemen for these five amazing defensive linemen, including Tim Settle, is only Deshaun Watson. Speaking of Tim Settle, he may be due for um, 
an extension this offseason. Tim Settle was actually top five in the league as far as interior rushes and sack percentage. And that's that's a short because he doesn't play as many sacks, I mean, play as many snaps as a lot of the top guys, and he's rotating. But that shows that when Tim Settle is in the game, he's always, he's always being a force, and he's always, you know, he's never a liability. To be top five in the NFL or something is special in his own right. So that's it for the defensive line. Like I said, I'm not going to spend too much time on them because we know, or we should know as well, Washington football team community, how dominant our defensive front is and how good that we have it there. So I did want to go to the linebackers, though. I did want to go to the linebackers. And I know I mentioned how if teams wanted to run the ball on Washington at times last year, they could. And I believe that a lot of that was due to the linebackers. And the numbers back it up. You know, you don't get two defensive tackles that, you know, are leading the NFL in um, run stops. But, you know, teams are able to run the ball as much as they wanted to against Washington. And I believe that's due to, you know, our linebackers not filling gaps. Our linebackers not getting off blocks in time. Our linebackers making a lot of misreads. I'm looking at you, John Bostic. I'm looking at you, John Bostic, making a lot of misreads, taking a lot of false steps. Um, and so what I did see, you like, I did see the linebacker play improve after, you know, Coach Rivera even called them out during the season. Coach Del Rio even called them out during the season. So that shows me that my eyes are seeing the right thing because the coaches validated that in their press conferences. So I did see a lot of improvement after, you know, they were called out, but there's still a lot more room for improvement, a lot more room for improvement. Personally, out of the three linebackers that started on a consistent basis last year, out of KPL, John Bostic, and Cole Holcomb. I believe that Cole Holcomb is the only one that deserves a starting position last year um, for for next year. Um, this past season in 2020, when he played, Cole Holcomb was all over the field. He was flying to the ball. Um, he was good in coverage. He had, uh, the, 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 when he took on Zeke in the backfield and knocked Zeke out, like Cole Holcomb stepped up the pick that he had on Zeke. Cole Holcomb was a man when he was out there on the field. And to think that he wasn't even starting at the beginning of the season. That is an issue. That is an issue. I know I said that we should trust Coach Del Rio and Coach Rivera, but that was an issue for me. Because it was evident as soon as he stepped on the field that Cole Hogan was the best linebacker on our roster. We out here force-feeding dudes like Sean Deion Hamilton, who's no longer on the roster, who's a Detroit Lion now, and Thomas Davis, who has no good knees anymore and is, what, nearly 40, we out here giving these guys positions over Cole Holcomb. That was the one thing that irked me at the beginning of the season. Because if you remember back to 2019, Cole showed a lot of those same qualities, flying to the ball. Yes, he did have trouble coming off, getting off a lot of blocks in 2019, but he improved and he showed tremendous improvement in that in 2020. So that's why I think that he has earned himself a starting spot um, in 2021. I would like to see KPL brought back. Um, both him and John Bostic are upcoming free agents. I would like to see KPL brought back, and um, and he can he can he can he can battle it out for a starting position. But um, I would like to see him, you know, have some competition in training camp. So at the very least, that if he doesn't win that position, he's providing depth. I like KPL in coverage. KPL was pretty good in coverage when he was healthy. He struggled when he came back from that high ankle sprain. But KPL shut off a lot of those passes to the flats. And he was pretty good in coverage when he was healthy. Um, but he was a liability against the run. 
um, I remember vividly uh, his worst game was probably against the Ravens. If you guys go back and look at that Ravens game, there were a whole bunch of cutback lanes because KPL was hesitant and not pressing the gap or not pressing the hole. Um, and I just saw that too consistent out of KPL. And KPL is somebody who's been a career backup. He did have a breakout season in 2019 filling in for Roquan Swift. Um, that and that that's what sparked Ron and Jack's interest in bringing him here. So he's not a bad player by any means, but I did see um, what's was keeping him from being a consistent starter week in and week out because he does possess a lot of freak uh, traits, a lot of freaky traits, and his physical profile is off the charts. But I do see some of the you know tangible football skills that he's lacking um, that cause him to be a career backup and a journeyman. KPL's been on a lot of teams. I know the Seahawks are off the top of my head. I mentioned the Bears already as well as the Chiefs so you know maybe 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 they saw what, what what we saw as the season went on that he was a liability against the run but I would like to see KPL brought back as a Washington football team member in 2021. John Bostic uh, not so much um, I believe you know his time is up as a Washington football player um, thank you for his time of service but I believe that we can get a lot better at the middle linebacker position. And that leads me to my next point. So we're going to go over some free agent linebackers that can potentially be brought in to be potential Washington football team members. So first, I want to go with, I want to talk about Gerard Davis. Gerard Davis is a linebacker from the University of Florida. He spent his first four seasons with the Detroit Lions, and he's going to be entering his age 26 season. Um, the reason that I think that Gerard Davis may be, may um, potentially um, end up as a Washington football team member because he actually played with Jack's son, Luke Del Rio, in college. Luke was actually the quarterback of those Florida teams. And um, I don't know if you guys remember when Gerard Davis was coming out, you know, a lot of us wanted him in the first round. Um, he was a special talent coming out of Florida, sideline to sideline linebacker, who's had his fair share of injuries um, while playing in Detroit. Um, but we also have to consider the situation that he was playing in as well. He's playing under Matt Patricia. Nobody, as you see, once he got fired, nobody loved playing under Matt Patricia. He was confusing the guys a lot on the defense. Um, so Gerard Davis has started his career out slow after starting. He started his, his rookie year. He came out guns a blazing, but he has tapered off um, since then. So hopefully, you know, in a new in a new um, in a new area, a new team, um, he can um, regain that form that made him that physical freak that we can remember from those Florida defenses when he was rocking the the four zero. So I do think that Gerard Davis can be a great potential pickup as a Washington football team player. And like I said, if he can battle it out with KPA or, you know, if he wins that out, you know, he can start alongside Cole Holcomb. Um, the next person I want to bring up is a middle linebacker. is Denzel Perriman. He is a heavy, heavy, heavy hitter. Um, one of those things that I mentioned about KPL is that, you know, he was hesitant pressing a lot of gaps and causing a lot of backside runs to hit, especially against the Seahawks and especially against yeah, just well, yeah, especially against the Seahawks, um, if my memory serves correctly. But a guy like Denzel Perriman, while he is a liability in coverage, he's a heavy hitter. He's going to press that gap. He's going to hit you in the mouth. He's going to get that, you know, impact tackle for loss. I'm not saying that he's the a great, you know, 
Ray Lewis type player by any means, because like I did say, he's a liability in coverage, but he is somebody that's going to hit you in the mouth, and that's what I need in my middle linebacker position. Um, like I said, he struggles in coverage, but he's somebody that has experience calling plays. He has somebody that you know has experience um, calling the defense, being the leader of a defense. So while he did see his time decrease um, and his snaps decrease during his time with the Chargers, Hey, like a Gerard Davis, maybe a change of scenery will help him as well. And lastly, lastly, um, this is one that I haven't seen really talked about in the Washington football team community. I can see a scenario where Washington trades for Carolina Panther um, linebacker Shaq Thompson. Now, a lot of you guys, especially in the Washington football team community, remember uh, Shaq Thompson from getting that, uh, that Heisman, that Heisman to the face from Darius Geis in the 2019 season. But Shaq Thompson is a pretty great, uh, pretty good player. He's a jack of all trades linebacker um, that's that's able to play both the strong and the will. Um, and he's he's a pretty dynamic athlete. Um, coming out of Washington um, when he was getting drafted, he actually played safety and a little bit of uh, running back as well. So Shaq Thompson is a dynamic athlete, and he's actually um, one of Marty Herney's draft picks from his time as a GM of the Carolina Panthers. So I do I I see where a trade. For Shaq Thompson could be potentially made this offseason. And if you if it happens, I want you guys to give give Lee and BNG his credit. Say that you guys heard it here first. That Shaq Thompson um, Washington football team acquisition, if it does happen. Um Shaq Thompson just signed a contract extension at the end of the 2019 season. So his base salary will be around $10.1 million next year, which is kind of a big of a hit for the linebacker position. But like I said in the Offensive Outlook episode, we have cap space. We're either 7th or 8th, depending on which site you look at, as far as available cap space. And we can shed even more if we get Alex Smith off our contract. So I believe that somebody like Shaq Thompson can help this defense as well. Um, he had over 100 tackles playing in the college-style 3-3-5 defense that um, the Carolina Panthers just played this past year. So I think that he can really aid this defense. And if Shaq Thompson's getting traded for, he's coming in as a starter. Um, whether I think he can be gotten for you know a third or fourth-round pick or maybe both. But I don't want to give up too too much draft capital. But I think look look out look out for a potential uh, Shaq Thompson trade. That's all I'm gonna say about that. That's all. I, I'm, I'm I'm connecting the dots. I'm connecting the dots. I'm seeing these relationships dotting my T's and crossing my eyes. So let's just be on the lookout for a potential Shaq Thompson trade in the off season. Now, as far as the draft, as far as the draft. The draft is really weak at the linebacker position this year. Um, not not edge, not, not talking about the edge defenders, but you know stand up traditional four three strong will and Mike linebackers. The draft is really weak, but I have identified two targets that I can potentially see becoming Washington Football Team members, and both of them would have to be um, gotten with that nineteenth pick in the first round if we don't trade that pick. Um, and the two players that I've identified is Zaven Collins. He is 6'4", 260 pounds out of the University of Tulsa. Um, in eight games this season, he had 54 combined tackles, 36 solo tackles, four sacks, two forced fumbles, and four interceptions. And if you can tell by those measures that I just read off, Collins is a freak of an athlete. 6'4", 260 pounds, he would automatically be the biggest linebacker in the NFL. And he moves like a freak. He is tremendous in coverage. Like I, when I was reading off those stats, he had four interceptions in eight games from the linebacker position. 
He moves like a ballerina. I've never seen it. I've, I, I've never seen nothing, anything like it from the linebacker position. He's about Chase Young size playing middle linebacker. Like that's freaky. That's that's so freaky. And then for him to have you know four sacks, four interceptions, two forced fumbles, that shows that he's a jack of trade um, player. And he's big time. You know he he. He outperformed, you know, his college. You know, Tulsa isn't a powerhouse, but he was putting them on a national map, you know. He was getting ESPN features because they saw this huge linebacker should not be moving like this. Like, he is a freak athlete. So, I can see, you know, Zayvon Collins potentially, you know, being that pick at 19, especially, like I said in episode one. Coach Rivera and Coach Del Rio, they're linebackers at hearts, guys. They play linebacker in the NFL, both of them. So, they know good linebacker play when they see it. And Zayvon Collins... To me, it's a good linebacker. Um, and the other person or the other player that I identified that can potentially be selected at 19 is um, out of Notre Dame. His name is Jeremiah Owusu Koromora. He is 6'1", 220 pounds, so he's pretty light, but he is a freak athlete as well. So these guys, they have different, you know, dimensions and different measurables. But the one thing that I can say are similar between both guys are that they are freak athletes. Um, Koromora had 55 combined tackles. 42 solo tackles, one and a half sacks, three forced fumbles, and one interception in 12 games. Um, and he played with a stacked Notre Dame defense. So he was he had he was out there making plays with other guys. He was out there battling guys. You know who gonna get this tackle first? Um, and when Cormore hits you, when JOK as they call him at Notre Dame, or as they call him throughout the nation, when JOK hits you, you feel it. You feel it. Um, I remember watching um, uh, a spotlight um, during college game day where actually one of the professors, um, I'm not sure if it was from Notre Dame or another school, was actually doing physics formulas to kind of, you know, comprehend how hard JLK was hitting these players. He delivers that knockout blow. He's going to be, you know, you know, I'm not comparing anybody to the late, great Sean Taylor, but you guys remember when Sean Taylor used to smack somebody, that would change the dynamic of the defense. That would change the tempo of the game. This guy, and I don't put too many people up next to the late, great Sean, but this guy, as far as an impact hitter, this guy brings it with him. Like I said, he's only 6'1", 220 pounds, but he is a freak as far as, you know, just bringing that wood when he's when he's – when he's coming downhill, he will knock you out. He will hit you in the mouth. I would love if JOK um, slid to 19 because, like I said, he's a jack-of-all-trades um, player as well. He can play the Will linebacker. You know, he can play the big nickel. He can play the Buffalo position that they had Cam Curl playing earlier in the year because he's that freaky of an athlete, and you won't lose anything in the run game either. Like I said, like I, like I said at the beginning of the episode, that was the weakest point of our defense. So imagine if you're able to, you know, ex swap out a DB and sub packages and put in JOK or slide over JOK and then put a, put another linebacker that was, that you know, to replace JOK's position when he's filling in in the base defense. That, you know, that helps you against the run tremendously, 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 and something that I would like to see. So Zayvon Collins and JOK, Jeremiah Wusu Koromora, are two players that I've identified that I actually like. Um if Washington doesn't go the quarterback route um, in the draft at 19. So next, we're going to actually look at the secondary. Um, we're going to look at the cornerbacks in the safety position. I'm not going to spend too much time on the cornerback position because my stance is, my mind is made up. We need to re-sign Ronald Darby. Ronald Darby, you know, gave you a bargain on a one-year prove-it deal, and he proved it. He was top three in the NFL in pass deflection. And, it, and in my opinion, 
He's one of the top three corners on a, on a market right now, whether that be Pat P, who's pretty much washed up, or Shaquille Griffin. What, which, whichever way you wanna, whichever way you wanna group them, Ronald Darby, Shaquille Griffin, and Patrick Peterson are my top three cornerbacks on the market. And and as Ron mentioned um, in his press conference, he said one of his priorities after the after um, the quarterback position is taking care of his guys. So this is this is one of the players you need to take care of. The, Ronald Darby, he 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 stepped up. He had a breakout season. I know a lot of people in the Washington football team community, they hated the signing. They remember Terry torching him in 2019. Well, we don't remember Ronald Darby getting torched too many times in 2020, do we? No, because it didn't happen. Ronald Darby stepped it up, you know. You know, he 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 he, he proved it. He, like I said, he gave you a one-year prove-it deal, and he proved it. So these are the type of guys that you reward. I know that Darby loves playing at home as well. So um, even if you get like a little bit of a discount. But he is going to get top-of-the-market money. Because like I said, Ronald Darby's one of the top three cornerbacks on the market, whether you believe it or not. He is. Based off, the two, based off his 2020 play, he's one of the top quarterbacks on the market. And we, we, we might have to, you know, we might have to give him the bag. We might have to give him the bag because he certainly outplayed. He certainly outplayed his contract in 2020. So um, I'm not going to spend too much time on the cornerback position because you guys now know my stance. Um, it's either Ronald Darby or you know, if we don't get Darby, I would be very disappointed. But hopefully, you know, at that point we may look at somebody in the draft. But I don't want to spend too much of our free agency dollars on the quarterback position unless it's on Ronald Darby. Um, so let's look at our safeties. Let's look at our safeties. I do think that we need a uh, we have a need at free safety. I love DeSazer Everett as much as the next man. Um, he's one of those impact hitters as well. Um, and we saw his impact in the Dallas game and the San Francisco game, knocking Mostert out. But I don't. I, I believe he's more of a depth um, backup player. You know, somebody that you play in three safety sets. Um, uh, Likewise for Jeremy Reeves, I I believe that they're the same type of player. So I don't think that you need both of those guys on the roster. I think that's why, you know, Jeremy Reeves was on the practice squad until we got so many injuries at the safety position because him and um, having him and DeShazer Everett on um, the roster at the same time seemed pretty redundant. So I do believe that we can, you know, we're in the market for a free safety. And then I listed some free safeties uh, from free agency that I would like, you know, that I can see potentially being Washington football team players. The first one is Justin Simmons. He is number one on my free agent safeties ranking. Um, he will be entering his age 28 season in, to, um, in 2020. He had 96 tackles and five interceptions. And Justin Simmons is just a ball hawk. No, he's not the best tackler, but he'll give you the range that you've been missing in your defense. While I love Cam Curl and I love his versatility, I, I don't think he's the rangiest of safeties. Uh, I, th I think that he can, you know, he can. he's interchangeable. He can play both, you know, um, free safety and strong safety, but I believe that when he's back there in the free safety and he's over top, you know, hovering defense, that's when you got to play a lot of too high because he's he doesn't have the range to cover sideline to sideline. Justin Simmons, while he's not a burner or a freak athlete, he's shown to possess that um, range because of his natural instincts as a ball hawk. And like I said, he had five interceptions and what was a down year for that Denver Broncos defense. And then moving on to Anthony Harris. Anthony Harris is entering his age 30 season. He's a local guy, though, coming from the University of Virginia. 
2020, he had 104 tackles. He didn't have any interceptions, which is shocking after leading the league in interceptions in 2019, but he did have six pass deflections. So I, 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 I like Anthony Harris. Um, Anthony Harris is a pretty good player. That age kind of scares me because I know he's going to be looking at a big contract or a long contract that takes him to, you know, age 34 and 35, something that I'm not, you know, an advocate for or something that I really, I'm really not feeling right now. You know, I, I don't, I'm not feeling, you know, signing old guys to long contracts. But the reports coming out of Minnesota is that he's looking for a pretty long and lucrative contract. Um, so, you know, if he if he comes down on his on his price tag, I can see him, you know, entertaining Washington and I can see Washington having an interest in um, Anthony Harris as well. Um, third is Marcus May from the Jets. He's entering his age 27 season. He last season, he had 88 tackles on that future Jets defense. And he also had two interceptions. Uh, Marcus May, he's a ball hawk as well. Um, I know those two interceptions don't sound like it, but guys, we got to remember this New York Jets defense from last season. They didn't have a pass rush. They didn't have linebackers. They didn't have corners. So to get two interceptions on that defense is almost like an achievement. Marcus May uh, out of Florida, you know, he's somebody that attacks the ball. When they were pairing him up with Jamal Adams, he would play a lot of deep single high because, you know, Jamal Adams plays like he's a edge rusher or a linebacker half of the time. So uh, Marcus May was able to play a lot of single high, cover three, cover one robber, cover one man, um, and make plays. And he made a lot of plays. He made a lot of plays uh, when he was with the Jets. And this is one of the reasons why I can see him, and I would be an advocate for him potentially signing with the Washington football team. Because I think the one thing that we're missing in the in the secondary is a is a playmaker. I think that Cam Curl is that one guy, but I think we need another playmaker. I think you need two of your four sec, um, base secondary guys to be playmakers that can get you the ball at any time. Like I said, Ronald Darby was top three in the league in, in pass deflections. He wasn't top three in the league in interceptions. So that shows that Darby got them DB hands. But, you know, he was there to make the play. And if we can bring in somebody else that's capable of making those plays or has a knack for making those plays, that can even help our defense um, out even more um and then i wanted to give you guys a sneaky sneaky free agent pickup that you know i would love i would love if we brought this player in because i actually wanted us to draft him when he was coming out of ohio state and that is malik hooker you at this point malik hooker is entering his age 25 season and you may be able to get malik hooker with a bargain deal because of his injury history he's coming off an acl injury uh which cut his 2000 i mean his, he's coming off an achilles injury which cut his 2020 season short but he also had an acl injury as a part of his um time with the Colts as well so over his, the course of his rookie contract Hooker did have two major injuries, but if you guys can remember the freak athlete and the range that Hooker displayed when he was at Ohio State, he displayed the same type of qualities when he was healthy with the Colts, but the problem is he just never was healthy. So hopefully, you know, he can have a change of fortune with his health, um, and I, w I would love to see Malik Hooker potentially sign with the Washington football team on a bargain deal. You put him and Cam Curl back there, and if he's, you know, as as close to 100% as he can be or somebody can be sustaining those two major injuries that can that can that can form a pretty a pretty formable you know safety duo with hooker or with any of these guys with Harris Simmons hooker may if you pair that guy with cam curl I, I think that 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 forms a pretty formidable safety duo as I mentioned before if you guys noticed I've, I keep bringing up cam curl's name because I believe that he surpassed 
Landon Collins as the starter. If Cam Curl, if if Landon Collins is brought back to the Washington football team, which I think may not may not be the case, he shouldn't be starting over Cam Curl. And I don't think that you guys can, that you can play those two t- um, guys on the field at the same time because neither of them possess the elite range or the elite speed to play over the top all game. Um, now, like I like I just mentioned, I think there may be you know a scenario where Washington looks to get Landon Con- Landon Collins' contract off the books. He's a safety. He's playing in the secondary, and he's coming off an Achilles injury, and that you know the fortune of that injury doesn't look good, especially for somebody who has to cut and plant you know twenty four seven in a game at the safety position. And then we must remember Landon wasn't playing great before that. So if we look at you know. Him being fully 100% healthy and not playing great, what are we expecting if he's coming back from an Achilles injury? And I love Landon Collins as much as the next man. I love his admiration for Sean Taylor. I love, you know, his uh, initial press conference when he was brought in. I love Landon Collins at Alabama. But he simply hasn't performed to, you know, his contract. He simply hasn't performed to the status of his contract up until this point. And I know that injuries suck. But, you know, he, he might have got Wally Pitt by Cam Curl because Cam Curl came in and, and balled out. Um, so, like I said, these uh, I think that we need a free safety as far as a schematic fit. Um, we just need a more rangier player. Now, like I said, we may, we, we may get off Landon Collins' contract, whether that be, you know, him packaged in a deal with, you know, one of these quarterbacks we're looking for, or whether that means he just be, you know, outright cut and we take that hit to the cap. That would be a huge hit. As far as their money to the cap, but I don't see a scenario where Cam, where Landon Collins starts over Cam Curl if he comes back healthy next season. It can't happen. It can't happen. Cam Curl was the best rookie safety in the NFL this season. Those guys don't lose their jobs. They don't. They don't, especially in the seventh round on a bargain contract with a seventh round contract. Those guys don't lose their So I think, you know, Landon, I'm sorry. Like I said, I love Landon, but Landon might be getting the short end of the stick in this um, offseason as far as, you know, his fort- his future as a Washington football team player. Um, so, like I said, guys, um, this was just simply a defensive outlook. We'll be looking more at draft prospects for both the linebacker and the safety position as we get closer to the draft. Um, be on the lookout for our next episode. We're going to be talking more about our offseason outlook. We're going to be having, uh, you know, NF, uh, mock offseason where, where I'll be the GM. You know, Jalen will be the GM talking about players that he'll be looking in to bring in to fit schemes um, and contracts, players that I'll be looking to release um, and things like that. So we'll be giving you an offseason mock draft episode coming up soon. We'll also be giving you, you know, um, like I said, draft coverage, um, free agency coverage. Like, like I told you guys in episode one, everything Washington football team, Bleeding B&G is your new source for it. So what I need you guys to do is I need you guys to follow us on our Twitter and our Instagram. I'm going to be leaving those um, tags for my YouTube family on the video at the end of the video. For my people that's listening, podcast only. Our Twitter page is at Bleeding B&G, and that's B-L-E-E-D-I-N-B-N-G. And then our Instagram page is a tad bit different. That one is at Bleeding B-N-G. And that one is B-L-E-E-D-I-N-G-B-N-G. 
and then we're available on all podcast platforms um google play um spotify apple Podcasts as well um and i appreciate you guys listening to the third episode of bleeding bng please be on the lookout for more content coming soon thank you and have a good one